Hi, folks. Welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher again with you this morning and another beautiful day in Daytona Beach. We're coming to you from our studios right here in the great city of Holly Hill, home of Pictona. If you haven't heard of it, it's the fastest-growing sport in America, pickleball. And it is fun to watch. I want to give a shout-out to my friends at Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep for their loyal support through the years, and particularly to Mr. Daniel Dye, our favorite race driver, who last night we attended an event at the Daytona 500 Club and uh, celebrated the fact that he will now be driving in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series for the next year for GMS, and we're very, very happy about that. So lots of fun. So today we've got a very special guest uh, with us, and that is Mr. Bob Keefe. Mr. Bob Keefe is the executive director of E2, which is Environmental Entrepreneurs. Hey, Bob, welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show again. Nice to have you on. Oh, Bill, I always enjoy being with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, I know the last time we talked, we went into some pretty, uh, pretty good depth about uh, what's happening as far as the climate and stuff, and I understand there's more and more coming on. Um, Bob is the absolute expert when it comes to, uh, I guess, anything climate-related. Bob, tell us a little bit about your background, please. <laughs> well, uh, Bill, I am the executive director of E2 Environmental Entrepreneurs, and we're a national organization of more than 10,000 business leaders and investors that uh, care about and advocate for policies that are good for both our economy and our environment. And uh, I'm also the author of a book called Climate Nomics, Washington, Wall Street, and the Economic Battle to Save Our Planet, Bill. And uh, that's all about essentially the economic cost of climate change and the economic benefits of climate action. And, boy, we've been seeing both of those things in spades, I guess, uh, particularly in Florida. But nationwide, we've had some, some actual good news on the, on the climate front as well. Well, for sure, if we could talk a little bit about Florida, we're just coming off a devastating loss of, of property and some uh, life as well down in southwest Florida on a storm that we really did not feel was going to be that impactful. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, uh, absolutely, and um, certainly southwest Florida got devastated, and I feel for all of the folks down there rebuilding. Uh, you know, you were talking about my background, Bill. I spent t- uh, uh, 10 years in Tampa. I was a journalist in Tampa for about 10 years and spent a lot of time down in Sanibel, Captiva, that area. So uh, it's unfortunate to see what's happened there. But, you know, uh, especially in the in the wake of Hurricane Ian, Florida knows better than any place in the country that climate change uh, is, is hammering our economy. You know, Ian is on track right now to be the most costly storm ever with damage estimates of up to $63 billion or more. That would be the most expensive uh, hurricane ever uh, ever hit the state, um, but we, we certainly are seeing a lot more of those catastrophic storms and catastrophic damage from climate change. But something to remember, Bill, is that you know we're seeing the economic impacts of climate change every single year, with or without these big hurricanes. And as a matter of fact, my organization E2 just released a big report. Uh, on the economic cost of climate change. And what we know is that in, in Florida alone, the state is losing about $500 million a year just from climate-related disasters that are only getting worse. And that's flooding, that's storms, that's drought in some areas. Now it's starting to be fires in some parts of Florida. Um, uh, and and uh, uh, certainly Florida isn't isolated. You know, the nation as a whole 
Last year alone, we had $150 billion worth of climate damage, climate-related disaster damage. That was up 50% from a year earlier. So the costs are starting to add up, and we need to do something about it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's it's so obvious to us because if you've lived in Florida for any length of time, you can see the sea levels rising and some of the, the beaches uh, eroding. Uh, I took a walk down Daytona Beach the other day, I and mean, I could not believe how much of the dunes have given way to the, you know, just to the natural causes, I, I guess, of climate and the weather and stuff. But, uh, uh, Bob, how is this going to impact us? Uh, I think I know the answer, but I'd like you to explain it a little bit. But, you know, from an, an insurance standpoint, we're already seeing a lot of insurance companies pull out of Florida with this uh, with this tremendous hit. How is that going to impact uh, us going forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, you know, the, the cost that we're talking about, Bill, the, the damage amounts that we're talking about are just for the property losses and the, and the direct damage. But, yeah, let's look at homeowners insurance. You know, uh, as, as these insurers begin to pay out claims for this, insurance costs are expected to rise dramatically in Florida, unfortunately. And Florida knows this already. Homeowners rates in the state are already up about 50 percent over the past few years alone in the state. And they're just going to go up more. Just yesterday, the big insurance company, Chubb, announced it was taking a $932 million loss from Ian alone. Uh, Travelers Insurance just a week earlier announced that it lost $326 million because of Ian. Uh, and guess who's going to have to pay for that? The, 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 the rate payers in the state of Florida, whether or not you got hit by the storm or not, uh, unfortunately. So uh, regrettably, we're gonna, th- that's another cost of climate change, if you will, is insurance rates going up. Look, you know, one other area that obviously is tremendously important to, to Florida is tourism. Uh, and some estimates came out earlier this week, and you may have seen them, Bill, but the tourism industry is expected to lose about $7 billion, as much as $7 billion um, uh, in the year uh, year or two ahead because of the damage from Ian. Folks aren't going to be flocking to the southwest part of the state for vacation when there's not a house for them to stay in. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, here, uh, being on the east coast of Florida, we, we absolutely were blessed and fortunate that we had only high winds and minimal damage, but we had a lot of flooding. I mean, the the, the rains right. just sat over, and the flood damage, I mean, we have, we have one of our uh, employees not only had flooding in the home, but it completely totaled their car out. Who would, who would have thought that? Right, right. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, you know, Florida, unfortunately, is, uh, in the report that we just released, is, is relatively high when it comes to uh, propensity of flooding and losses from flooding. Um, but there's some other areas that, that are troublesome as well. And then I, then I hope we talk about some good stuff, Bill, because <laughs> this is getting me down a little bit. But, uh, you know, if you look at the, the top ten states, for instance, that are expected to lose the most work days and the most earnings from extreme heat, uh, Louisiana and Florida uh, top that list. Uh, if you look at um, the top 10 counties with the highest uh, properties at risk from wildfire, top 10 counties in the country, as we did in our report, across the, our cost of climate report, quite naturally that's led by California and Arizona. But also on that list are Polk County and Pasco County in Florida, both on the, the middle part of the state, of course, and, and, and the West, West Coast. Um, and the southeast uh, in Florida in particular is 
experiencing the most climate losses, having the most impact from climate-related disasters than any other part of the country by far. Since 1980, climate disasters have uh, sucked about $928 billion out of the southeast economy. By comparison, the next hardest-hit region bill is the southwest, but only uh, they, they've only lost about half that much, about $400 billion. Uh, a lot of money. So, uh, and unfortunately, Florida's right in the epicenter. You know, it, it, you, you couldn't have hit that on the head uh, better, Bob. What about some of these areas in, in the northeast? I mean, we, we see extreme cold conditions and icing and, and power yeah. lines down. Is this all part of, of uh, all part of the climate picture? Well, you know, unfortunately, what we know is that uh, as carbon, global uh, greenhouse gas emissions have gone up and carbon emissions in particular have gone up, over the course of uh, a couple of lifetimes now, it's only turbocharged uh, weather-related disasters of every type. Obviously, droughts, and which lead to wildfires, uh, warming oceans, which lead to stronger hurricanes, uh, and stronger um, uh, uh, other weather events also, like, like you mentioned, freezes. And it's not, remember, it's not just... It's not just in the Northeast. The worst freeze, the most expensive freeze we've ever had in this country was two years ago in the state of Texas. By God, Texas, oh, of boy. course, and you remember that. Yep. Huh. Shut down the entire state's economy for uh, a few days there. But, uh, you know, in, in, the past, uh, in the past five years alone, we've seen now four of the most expensive hurricanes. We've seen three of the most expensive wildfires. Uh, we saw the most expensive uh, winter freeze that, um, uh, that that freeze in Texas that I mentioned, and the most expensive thunderstorm event in Iowa a couple years ago when 40% of the corn crop got decimated by a derecho storm. That, and anybody who's ever been to Iowa knows that it's all about corn. So this is, uh, as our report shows, Bill, this is, this is hitting every part of the country. So, Bob, the report is very in-depth, and uh, I started reading it. I didn't complete the whole thing, but after our interview, I'm going to go back and, and read it. But, I mean, it, it looks well, like... Well, and you can find it at www.e2.org if you want to read more. Okay, e2.org. Go there, folks, and listen to this because it's very important, regardless of where you're listening in from. when We actually have people, Bob, believe it or not, listening from uh, Yugoslavia, that far away. We don't know who we're reaching, but... A lot of people that came from this area originally tune into our show to, to hear important guests such as yourself speak. So, again, thank you for joining us, for sure. Oh, thank you. But, you know, um, yeah, insurance is something. Anytime you have something like this that is beginning to build, it's really, really important that we find solutions to it. And I know that's what you're all about. I was so impressed to find out that you have all these all these different people involved, over 2,500 uh, companies involved in it, and you created more than six hundred thousand dollars. This is not a small enterprise. Whatever you're running and doing is is magnificent. Well, you're kind of say so. And just to be clear, you too didn't create those companies. Our members did. And again, we have uh, about ten thousand members across the members and supporters across the country uh, who work in really every uh, almost every sector of the economy and just about every state. So. Uh, yes, there's a. We have a good contingent of clean energy uh, CEOs and others, but we also have folks that run restaurants and hotels and real estate investment firms. And 
you know, the one thing they have in common is that they realize that we can't have a strong economy without a good environment. Uh, and they realize that climate change is, is costing our economy. And by passing policies and uh, taking steps to address climate uh, action, we can actually click, create a lot of jobs, drive investments, and drive economic growth, which, by the way, we're seeing now. Yeah, that was another thing I really wanted to talk to you about is, is the job uh, opportunities that are in this field and continuing to grow. Obviously, clean energy has become a very important topic, and we're seeing more and more people, even in the state of Florida, engage in uh, in offering solar uh, services along with battery uh, backup stuff. Talk about right. that a little bit. Right. Well, you know, one of the things that my organization does, uh, Bill, is we've been tracking clean energy jobs. Uh, and clean, clean energy job growth now for almost a decade. And what we know is that nationwide, there are about 3.2 million people that work in clean energy now. Uh, uh, in Florida alone, uh, about 160,000 people work in clean energy. Now, about 25,000 of those are in renewable energy, solar, the business that you're in and the business you care about most. Uh, but we're, there, there's also a huge amount of uh, other clean energy jobs that people don't necessarily think about. You know, we we think about solar installers, we think about wind turbine technicians and things like that. But in fact, the biggest part of the clean energy workforce is energy efficiency. In Florida alone, 114,000 people work in energy efficiency. Bill, that's uh, uh, everyday construction workers that are making our homes, our offices, our schools more energy efficient uh, through installing, you know, uh, low-E windows and more insulation, uh, lighting companies that are retrofitting our big office buildings in Daytona Beach or in Miami with uh, LED lighting systems that save money uh, and and work 90% more effective than the old incandescents. It's, it's people who uh, are working in high-efficiency HVAC systems, for instance, and replacing old um, uh, old HVAC systems and things like that with more energy-efficient systems. So uh, there, there's, a, there's a big and growing field, all, uh, big and growing uh, amount of jobs all across clean energy. One of the biggest sectors, as a matter of fact, is happening uh, north of Florida, which is in clean vehicles. Uh, last year alone, clean... Uh, uh, the number of people that work in building electric vehicles and building batteries that go in those electric vehicles was up 27% nationwide. That's a huge jump. Uh, and those are folks that are going to work in places like Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, South Carolina, Georgia, uh, where the majority of these new electric vehicle uh, vehicles are being built by both uh, domestic companies like uh, GM and Ford and but also uh, other startup automakers as well, and the, and the supply chains that go with them. So that's a huge area that's growing right now. Boy, for sure. Bob, this is fascinating. Folks, we're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll come back. I want to dig in and do a little bit more about energy efficiency because that's something that's ultra-important. We'll be right back with you.
See this? It's a generator for your home. Never needs gas, no moving parts, and it's quiet as a church mills. Hurricane or power outage headed our way? No worries now. It's a solar generator for your home that works day and night and pays for itself through energy savings and tax credit. Hi, folks. This is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. We're your Tesla certified Powerwall installer, and the future is here. Give us a call today for all the details. 445-7606. SolarFit, your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Hi, folks. Bill Gallagher, SolarFit Renewable Energy Show. I'm here with my friend Bob Keith. He's actually in California. He's calling in today. Hopefully, you guys can hear it okay. It's coming in loud and clear. Bob, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Bill. Hey, I want to dig a little bit deeper in this energy efficiency because I recall the last time we spoke, which was, oh, gosh, might have been even a year ago. Uh, It came to my mind that 10 or 15 years ago, there really wasn't a lot of talk about energy efficiency and, and, you know, people had doors that weren't properly sealed and they had antiquated air conditioning, had all this stuff. And it wasn't until really, I think the impetus was the start of the increase in electric costs where people started seeing and say, Hey, wait a minute, what can we do? And of course, obviously it's the least expensive thing to do is to reduce the energy that you're using even prior to putting solar on. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we've seen a real revolution, a quiet revolution, I guess, in energy efficiency. And, you know, folks that are closer to the industry like yourself may have noticed it more than more than others, Bill. But uh, just look at things like uh, heating and air conditioning right now. The, the, the amount of efficiency that has been gained in, in HVAC systems has been astronomical uh, over the past decade or so. And it's only getting better. And as people look to reduce their energy costs, that's an easy place to look. One area that's really booming right now is in, in heat pumps and these ductless mini splits. I know this because I, I put them in my own house a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I pulled out the old gas furnace and I installed uh, ductless mini splits for, that now run, uh, with about a, uh, a quarter of the amount of electricity that I was spending or a quarter amount of the, the uh, uh, cost that I was spending on my old gas furnace, for instance. Look at things like uh, appliances, Energy Star appliances. You know, they've been around since the 70s, but they're getting better and better. Uh, uh, refrigerators used to be the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, user of electricity besides uh, HVAC systems in, a particular, in, in any household, really. Uh, now it's... The, the amount of energy that those refrigerators are using is drastically smaller. And, in fact, you're probably using more money running your cable TV box than you are your refrigerator in some cases uh, these days. So some of the innovations that we've seen in energy efficiency has just really uh, uh, really been, been helpful. And we're going to see a lot more of that thanks to some federal policies that recently got passed. Yeah, can we talk about that a little bit? Because we're only about a month and a half into this uh, bill being passed. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we're talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is the biggest single investment in clean energy and climate action in history. And that's just not U.S. history, Bill. That's probably worldwide history. Uh, That's going to include $370 billion in clean energy tax credits and investments. It includes a 30% tax credit for renewables, for solar, uh, and storage, battery storage, over 10 years. That's effective beginning now. We're also talking about a 
tax credits for electric vehicles, $7,500 for new vehicles, $4,000 first time ever for used electric vehicles. Uh, and you're also going to get, uh, it also includes uh, some pretty substantial rebates for energy efficient appliances, the things that we're talking about. I think it's $850 for uh, uh, heat pumps and heat pump hot water heaters, things like that, that are going to make um, uh, uh, energy efficiency a lot cheaper for people. But, you know, your, your, sol- your show is about solar. Let's talk a little bit more about solar. Uh, if we could, in addition to the 30% tax credit for, for solar now, that's the, the important thing that I've been hearing from a lot of solar uh, executives is that they finally have some visibility. They, this is a tax credit that's now going to last for 10 years, which is great for anybody that's thinking about putting it on the rooftop. But it's also great for investors who are investing in utility-scale solar, which we now know is the cheapest power available in just about every part of the country so that's a huge deal yeah for sure uh we we often refer to in the past the solar coaster bob which is we have the policy and then we lose the policy we have it and there's just been no uh surety about business and of course anybody that's an entrepreneur or in business that's the one thing they want is okay don't move the earth underneath me for a little bit right so you're absolutely correct on that you got to have some visibility when you're running a business Yep, yep. So we've got it's it's really looking good. Uh you were talking about uh, the EV. Now that's 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 hitting us by storm right now. More and more people and of course the thing that the thing I think of two things I think of. First of all, being in Florida, there's I, I understand about a thousand people a day moving into the state of Florida. Uh and I often kid about right. I think they're gonna they're gonna close I ninety four five going north because it's useless. Everybody's coming south, right? <laughs> but but with that said, every one of those people, all those folks, all those families, they're going to need electricity, which means we're going to either have to build more power plants or use more renewables or something to supply them with that. And we're definitely going to have to right. beef up the ability to install uh, EV chargers. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it's going to be a huge, uh, it's, it's a huge undertaking for sure. Uh, it's one thing to say that folks should drive electric vehicles. It's another thing to say that, uh, uh to figure out how we're going to charge them and keep them on the road. Uh, fortunately through the, um, uh, infrastructure investment and jobs act, the big infrastructure bill that was passed by the way, with bipartisan support in Congress, that's a rare thing, isn't it? Indeed. Uh, last year. <laughs> is going to include funding to put 500,000 chargers uh, on the highways across across America. And um, think about I-95 or I-75 through Florida. Uh, on interstates, these things are going to be uh, expected to be every 50 miles apart. So that's going to make a huge difference. And uh, but, but most people charge their EVs these days at their homes or sometimes at their workplaces. And both the Infrastructure Act and the Inflation Reduction Act that was signed into law in August uh, provides for, again, tax incentives and um, uh, rebates for uh, installing and upgrading uh, uh, home electricity systems to to make way for for car charging. So that's going to be helpful at all. 
Well, for sure. And I mean, in, in a perfect world, someone would have solar on their home and uh, backup batteries such as Tesla and then, and actually charge their electric car and, uh, you know, be free of, uh, of our ever-increasing utility costs. That's what we're seeing a lot of people doing. And, of course, the, the thought would be, well, heck, wouldn't that wouldn't that impact the utilities? And I get back to my other uh, comment about I mean, there's so much energy that we're going to have to supply. I don't think it's going to have right. a negative impact. We we need to really look at utilities and, and industry and consumers as partners, as opposed to competitors. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And Bill, I don't know what your your setup is, but I have a, a setup kind of like that at my home. You know, I've got solar on the roof, and I've got a, a very old, a ten year old. Uh, Prius plug-in. Uh, it only gets about 15, 18 miles on a good day on, on electricity, but guess what? The only person that really drives that is my daughter who drives it to her high school about eight miles away. And so that thing charges up uh, during uh, when she gets home in the afternoon uh, and in the morning before she leaves, and then she doesn't have to buy gas. And boy, I remember when I was in high school, I was looking for every $5 bill I could to to put in the gas tank just to get around. Well, five dollars right now would get you, especially in California. I was just out there. To, I <laughs> yeah, mean, it wouldn't get me very far today. I mean, it. I don't know what's going on, but I, it was five. It was six dollars and fifty cents in California. I was out there. Holy moly! Yeah. It, well, it's it, yeah. That's pretty normal. It just, unfortunately, it is crazy. And, and I often I, I look offshore and I see the, the the oil rigs and I look onshore and I see the refineries and I look at the gas pump and I see six fifty. It's just not making much sense to me. But what do I know, right? Well, it's it, you know it might go down a little bit here and there. That's a good thing. But uh, the the real solution is we need to get off uh, of uh, we need to take advantage of this these new technologies, aka electric vehicles that run better, that go further that are cheaper to operate in the long run, um, uh, and, by the way, aren't killing our planet. Yeah, no, that's that's all good. So, you know, getting back to the, the politics of this whole thing, and I think we t- talked about this before, boy, it, it, getting people to agree on eggs, the type of eggs they want in the morning in Washington is almost impossible. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, but, you know, having, having the surety of this thing going forward and having everyone kind of get on board with it is a key, isn't it? Well, I think I think it is, Bill, and I think it's also key that, look, unfortunately, people are realizing that climate change is no longer something that's happening up in the Arctic or at some faraway Pacific island. It's happening in our own backyards. It's happening in the southwest Florida, uh, and it's costing us money every single time, uh, either directly through losses, direct losses, or when our homeowner's insurance goes up, uh, or if we have to pay more for cornflakes and chicken because uh, crops are getting ruined in Iowa, like we were talking about. So this is something that's impacting everybody right in the pocketbook. And it doesn't matter how you vote, what state you live in, what your politics are. Uh, there's nothing uh, political or partisan, or there shouldn't be anyway, about the economic cost of climate change. And by the way, there's nothing political or partisan about clean energy jobs. Uh, these are good-paying jobs that are happening in every part of the country. You know, I think sometimes I, I get back in, in history and see how uh, back when the Rockefellers and, and the oil industry and the kerosene industry and, and how uh, the electric lights came about and how the strife between the 
the uh, kerosene people that get the and, and the electric. Remember, remember how that whole story came right. about. It kind of feels a little bit like that now. Like there's a little bit of a rub between, uh, you know, the fossil fuels and the uh, and the clean energy. But they can survive side by side. You don't have to go all off and do one or the other. And I think that's where the confusion lies. What do you think? Well, you know, our economy has gone through these cycles. Uh, for, forever, right? I mean, I'm I'm reading a, a really interesting book by Stephen Attenborough right now about the Transcontinental Railway, uh, and think about what that did—not just for things like the Pony Express, but for transportation in America generally. Uh, you know, it changed it forever. But there's not too many people who would say that wasn't a good idea, um, including the the folks that run stables and 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 livery uh, operations and things like that. You're, you're absolutely right. It brings back another thought that I, and it, back in the early 1900s, I think there was 100,000 um, horses in New York City alone. Right. And that, that, just, that industry just almost overnight went away when, uh, you know, when the automobile came about. Man, I can't believe it, Bob. We're almost out of time. I'm going to have to have you back. How, how, can, people, how can people get a hold of you or, or talk to, more, learn more about what you're doing here? Well, thanks for that. You can always find out more at e2.org. That's enumeral2.org. Uh, and you can find our latest report on the economic cost of climate change there. You can also find out more about the book at climatenomicsbook.com, climatenomicsbook.com. Well, we're going to have uh, some information about your interview on our SolarFit Facebook uh, on Friday. So if people will tune in, this will be coming um you know, Saturday, you'll be able to listen in on it, and it'll also be in a podcast. Bob, thank you so much for coming on, and continued success. Keep up the keep up the great work out there, man. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Bill. Thanks so much. You're welcome, folks. We're going to sign off for now. I hope you'll uh, take some time to review the information that Bob is talking about. Very important to our to our not only our planet but to the economics of our country. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you next week. SolarFit Renewable Energy Radio Show paid for by SolarFit.